1: a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm talking with multiple FFPC High Stakes League's champion, Michael Cobb, an owner of two top 50 teams in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship a contest that will pay out more than $3.7 million in prizes, including a $500,000 grand prize. In this episode, we talk about how Melvin Gordon could ruin Javante Williams in week 14, why he's still hanging on to Antonio Brown for the stretch run, which rookie is going to be a championship winner, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to RotoViz by using the code RVRADIO2021. That's R V R A D I O 2021. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is the owner of two top 50 teams. In the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship, and a former winner of dozens of high-stakes leagues in the FFPC, Michael Cobb. Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown coming at you this week with a gentleman who has two teams in the top 50 of the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship in pursuit of a $500,000 grand prize. Never cashed the big one before, but uh, uh, cashed—beg your pardon—cashed plenty. Of uh, league championships in the main event, the FPC dynasty leagues, it is the one, the only, the incomparable Michael Cobb. Michael, welcome to the show, man.
2: Hey, thanks, Balky. I'm I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's uh, you know, if you you get invited to this show late in the year, you must not be having too terrible of a year. So it's it, it, it's awesome to be here. And you're right, uh, the elusive one, the elusive big prize escapes me, and it, it's what it's what drives me. So. I'm happy to be in the race and happy to be here and talk about
1: it. We have uh, Friday night coming up on the high stakes fantasy football hour, Jeff and Ed McCann, who've been playing high stakes for, you know, two decades or whatever. They have come so close to winning over the past, you know, several years, not only in the FFPC, but in the old W cough. And uh, they're in, I think 10th place in the main event right now. So they're, they're hoping that this is their year. I know you're hoping this is your year uh, for sure. In the football guys, players championship. I know you draft several teams, Um, during drafting season, Michael, with, with, in comparison, I, you have the two teams in the top 50 right now, but do you feel in the drafting process, you like to diversify your shares across all your teams or, or do you, do you like to a lot, uh, you know, to hammer a lot of the players in the same leagues or
2: the same players in your leagues? Well, you know, I, for the most part, I I definitely like, like to hammer the same players, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a uh, going after my guy uh, draft. Now, I, I will say, you know, two years ago, I was really heavy on Antonio Brown. This was, you know, the, the Raider year. So I, this is a guy I've got on, you know, probably 25% of my team. Last year, it was Barkley uh, who was on, you know, about one of every five teams. And, you know, when this year started – uh, I did some of the early drafts. I was I was big on the Dobbins, the ETNs, the Earth Smith. So I got a little scared, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, once those guys started going down, I thought, you know what? You know, especially with some of these premium, you know, your first, second round picks, if it's close, I I, I think I'll diversify a little bit. I'm not going to go out of my way. And, you know, there's a lot of players, for instance, I, I, I never drafted. But if it was close early on, I got a little scared, maybe tried to diversify, but as I started getting into the you know third, fourth round, I, I'm I'm constantly going after the same players.
1: Let me ask you this because this is a strategy I've heard from from several players, not only in this show but the the HSFFR as well. Um, they will go after the same players, like their sleepers in the mid rounds and in the late rounds, right? But mm-hmm. they'll they'll vary up their first you know half dozen rounds, right? Um, yes. And obviously, obviously that changes depending upon, you know, if you're drafting early or middle or or late in the first round. But what do you say for that strategy where you, you vary up your first five or six picks, but then in the mid rounds, in the late rounds, you start hammering those, those, the sleepers you love
2: late. I think it's fair to say that once I kind of got a little bit scared after some of the early injuries, I, I probably went that route. I just maybe shortened it to the first three or four rounds and then started hopping on on my sleepers. But I, I think it's fair to say that <clears throat> I, I, I got a little concerned, again, about just being too tied into the same players. So I, I like the approach. I like the strategy. I don't think you should ever take anyone that you don't want just to, just to have them. Um, but, you know, something like, for instance, that went over my mind a lot when I was drafting this year is last season, I was absolutely dead wrong on Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Didn't draft him. Did a ton of drafts. Never took the guy, obviously. He was a key element in a lot of people winning. So you hate to you hate to be wrong on someone like that. That's a big difference maker. So that does get in my head sometimes. About hey, every now and then, maybe if you can work a guy in that you never have. So that that's definitely a part of the process. But I, I just feel more comfortable when I'm going after my players.
1: Um, on those top fifty teams, and you can broaden this question out. I know you play a lot of dynasty and 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 a ton of football guys main event whatsoever. Um, did you have a big waiver wire addition that helped you on, on these top 50 squads or maybe some other teams this year? I know Cordero Patterson was a big one uh, early on. I don't know how many shares you have of him, but was there anybody off the waiver wire that really helped this team or these teams float
2: around the top of the leaderboard? Surprisingly, on these two teams, almost nonexistent. Um, and and there, there are some players I think could help later, say like a Ramondre Stevenson, uh van jefferson's been a little bit of a help. Uh, one of these teams definitely got a few week boost from khalil herbert um Fryer-Muth has been a good addition so there have been a little bit of additions but nothing huge now you did mention uh cordero he's not on any of these teams i do have him some places you know that to me that that seems like the probable free agent pickup of the year um there hasn't really been a lot. You know, there's, there, uh, the receiver market to me has been pretty thin for most of the year. Um, I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of what the big free agent addition was that, that people landed. It, maybe Elijah Moore, you know, if he was yeah. early. So that, that would be one if people gave up on him. Um, there's been some helpful weeks from running backs. But I think in a general sense, free agency for me has been a lot of uh, de-streaming. Fryer Moot, I think, in a, if I were to look at the totality of my leagues, has probably been my best free agent addition throughout all my leagues.
1: Let me ask you this. Who's Who's been a better – like when you, we talk about fantasy MVPs, let me let me throw three guys at you here um, as far as league winners go this year. Who was the best fantasy MVP? Was it Jonathan Taylor? Was it Cooper Cup? Or was it Leonard Fournette? Because, I mean, all three of those guys were drafted in different spots of the mm-hmm. Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC main event. Um, and, and I think they've all had their merits, right? I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a legit NFL MVP candidate. Cooper Cup is doing stuff with the wide receiver position that no one else is doing this year. And Leonard Fournette has had a couple of Bafo weeks that has really helped propel some people, you know, into the championship round of these national high stakes contests. How do you feel about those three guys? Which one is the is the fantasy MVP out of those three? Or is it somebody else?
2: No, those are, those are great candidates, uh, and I, I hadn't really thought of this, but I, I for me, I think I would probably narrow it down to, to Taylor and Cup. And, you know, because of the, you, you, I just instinctively want to say it's Taylor, but I think if, if you factor in what he costs versus also the fact that he's not going to be available right. uh, this week to people versus what Cup costs, you can definitely make a compelling case uh, for Cooper Cup, but I, I think it would be between one of those two.
1: You're a dynasty guy, you're always looking forward. I you probably haven't given much thought to the 101 in 2022 redrafts and the Football Guys Players Championship for the main event. Is it Jonathan Taylor at this point or is it somebody else?
2: I think it's I I think it's Jonathan Taylor. And I have been giving it some thought and I I, I really think that he's got an opportunity in, in redrafts to own that 1-1 in a way that Christian McCaffrey owned right. it, you know, this year I really do. And Dynasty, if you're um, He'd probably be the one-one as well. I I, I know if we're, we're talking dynasty. Uh, even though he's been a little bit oh merely okay, I think if you look at his age and everything, I would make a compelling case for Kyle Pitts actually as a top <clears throat> excuse me a top two or three guy. But it, you know if you're looking to win right now and and, and redraft for dynasty, it's I, I, I think Taylor has to be one-one.
1: One of the most owned players you have on your FFPC squads this year got a chance to showcase his stuff uh, this past week with. No Melvin Gordon active, and that was Javante Williams. Um, The early reports we've been hearing so far heading into week 14 is that Melvin Gordon is expected to return. But what kind of workload do you think, you know, anybody who has Javante Williams on their team, what kind of workload do you expect him to get against, and I know they won this past week, but let's face it, they've been pretty bad all season, Detroit. You know, this is a prime matchup for Javante Williams. What what, What do you think about his workload this coming week, Michael?
2: You know, you, he is a guy. I, I, you know, obviously one of my, my biggest drafted players. So I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd like to see what I saw this week. I think it depends. I hate to say this, I still think this year it depends on Melvin Gordon's health. And what I'm, I'm trying to say that you know, if Melvin Gordon not just plays, but he's you know he's healthy, it's a lot to say that he's going from missing to to perfectly healthy. Hate to be a buzzkill here a little bit, but I do think that if Melvin Gordon is healthy, it's going to look like it looked before this last week.
1: All right. So if that's the case, coming off this Bafo week, if Melvin Gordon is active, I mean, you're talking about Javante Williams being a guy who's borderline flex worthy, like as a second flex in football guys, right?
2: That's correct. Yes.
1: I think, and I think that, you know, we all want to, you know, at this point in the year, we want our hearts to lead us, right? Um, but sometimes our brains and our guts make the better decisions. And yeah. I think Javante Williams, it comes down to it, if Melvin Gordon is indeed active, especially if you're still competing here you know, in, in early to mid-December, Javante Williams, as tough as it is to do, might be a better bench than a start if Gordon's active, even against this matchup.
2: No, no, you're right. You're, you're right. And you know, this week, again, with Gordon, uh, if, even if he's active, the fact that he missed last week, that does give you a little bit more confidence. Uh, but I, I, if you're healthy and I mean, I could definitely see lineups out there where Javante Williams would not be in your lineup if Melvin Gordon is healthy. And, you know, we were just talking like about, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor and one, one next year, Javante Williams, you know, we, you don't know what they're going to do with their coach, what they're going to do with their quarterback. But this guy to me has a legit, um, possibility to be a, a, a top three redraft dynasty guy next season. I, I I I think very fondly of the guy. I mean everybody saw the, that he's a three down skilled back, uh super young. But I, I I haven't seen any kind of sign that they're not gonna go with the rotation if once Gordon is healthy.
1: And this is and so okay, so as a dynasty guy, this is where, you know, there's a little bit of a window, right? Um with, with Javante Williams because the, the future is cloudy with what the Denver front office and coaching staff wants to do with Melvin Gordon. But seeing the talent of Javante Williams, seeing what he did without Melvin Gordon on the field, what would you do in the offseason up until they make the decision about Melvin Gordon or whatever they're going to do? Would you be sending out some offers? some some I don't want to say lowball, but sending out some offers for Javante Williams, trying to get him on the cheap? Because if they do let go of Gordon and they don't bring anybody else in and they just go with Mike Boone as the backup, I mean, Javante Williams would be a massive get in the offseason,
2: right? Absolutely. Yeah, I I think I could put it this way. If you just said, hey, you got to jump into a dynasty startup draft in February before free agency. You're not going to know how anything's going to work out. You just got to go with it. I'm going to have Javante Williams as a top five overall player.
1: Um, Antonio Brown. Uh, A former top five overall player in fantasy. He's fallen off since then. I was a big fan of his coming into the season. I drafted him a lot in the mid rounds, and certainly I was loving it early on in the season. Then the injury happened. Now this faux vaccination thing uh, happened with Tampa and the NFL. Very on brand for Antonio Brown, by the way. It is. Um, is, is. And and so now he's dealing with a suspension. He's dealing with an injury injury. Rosters are locking in, in a lot of leagues. What do you do with Antonio Brown? Is he droppable if you want to you know, add that second kicker, add that second quarterback, um, that third tight end or what have you? How droppable is he right now in high-stakes leagues?
2: Okay, so listen, I got a soft spot for Antonio Brown. I'm an old Steeler fan. I've had this guy on dynasty teams forever. A black Cloud follows this guy off the field, no doubt about it. But the, the work ethic and on the field, big fan of the player. So taking that for what it's worth, I would strongly advise that nobody drops Antonio Brown uh, strongly. I, 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 you're just not going to find that kind of upside anywhere else. There are things that could go wrong. Maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy. I've heard positive stuff, but maybe he's not, um, uh, he, when he does come back, he basically will not have played in two and a half months. So there could be some conditioning issues at play. Um, I just think especially if, if we're talking about, you know, the, the the main events, the football guys, when you're going to go against a lot of other teams, you need that difference maker. And I just can't see cutting someone like him. Um, you know, and, and there's another guy and I actually have this guy on a lot of the teams with Antonio Brown, which is Calvin Ridley. I've had ah. a hard time giving up. But between those two, I'm far more inclined to cut Calvin Ridley.
1: And the Ridley thing is frustrating um, because it, it's one of those things, and I don't want to make light of it at all, but it's one of those things where he's not recovering from a broken bone, a soft tissue injury, a concussion, anything like that. This is a um, a, a mental health thing. And for a mental health thing, he could say tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. That Hey, I'm mm-hmm. good to go. I'm ready to play football. Exactly. Let me exactly. practice this week. Um, or it, he may not be, he may not play the rest of the season and we don't know what his future is in the NFL, quite frankly. Um, and that's the frustrating thing with Ridley. I have him ironically enough, the only in, I, in, uh, the Kentucky fantasy football state championship this year, I won uh, of all my main events. I won one league. And it was one of my worst teams I drafted, and it was it was a Calvin Ridley team, and, and like just, but I I ended up getting Kendrick Bourne at the right time, Devontae Freeman. I played him this past week, and it, nice, and it worked nice. out nicely. But that's the thing; it's because you know if you if you somehow made it this far with Ridley, you got to keep that wild card in your back pocket. If you somehow made it this far with Antonio Brown, you got to make sure you can deploy him, uh, you know, in the money weeks. And I think those are the types of guys. That we scratch and claw on the waiver wire all season long to try to acquire, you don't want to release those guys at this point in the season.
2: Oh no, you really don't. And, and you know, it, it, because of uh, the need for, to adjust your roster for a final few weeks, it's it's challenging. But th- that entire we're getting into a, a stage. Even if you're just talking a, a a dynasty league, every we're we're playing nothing but playoff and really good teams at this point. You need difference makers. These guys are those kind of guys, and they're just hard to find. And, you know, when these guys are both receivers, this week I I think I'm seeing some of the better receiver options I've seen in some time. But I've been moaning to everyone I know for about the past four, five, six weeks that it's the most barren wide receiver free agent market I can ever recall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It it totally is. I'm I'm with you 100% on that. Um, That said, let's shift to the running back position. Uh, Tennessee, they play Jacksonville this week. Certainly a, a winnable game an exploitable matchup game. What do you do with the running backs? Deontay Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard. Are either of these guys starts for you? Are they both benches? Because I, I feel like if you have either of these guys on your team, this is the type of game you want to get them in your lineup. How do you feel about them?
2: This is a confusing situation. You know, Vrabel definitely seems to have taken a page out of, uh, Belichick's, uh, uh, his mentor's uh, playbook, and he—you know—you don't seem to know what he's going to do week in to week out. And to further confuse the situation, I'm expecting Jeremy McNichols to come back. And, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, so I, I really don't know how the thing is going to go. You ask if they can be in your lineups, and I certainly hope so because I'm—they're going to be like in main event playoff lineups for me because I have to. Now, if you're asking me, do I want to put them in there? If I had a really good choice, would I put them on the bench and try to see if I can get more information on how it shakes out? Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to not start any of them. Um, Saying that, they should be okay at at least. Um, As you indicated, Jacksonville, good matchup. Julio may or may not come back this week. Regardless, they don't have a lot to work with, and they're going to have to run a lot of this offense through the running backs. I tend to think they're okay starts. Where I I probably struggle the most is the fact that I actually have Foreman and Hilliard on on a few of the same teams. Uh, I don't know which one. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: well, What do you do? Like, who's the safer option? I mean, Foreman's got to be the safer option, right?
2: Well, you know, here's what I've I've been thinking about it, chewing on it for a few days, actually. And if McNichols is active, he's got a skill set that in theory just seems a little bit closer to Hilliards. Right. Plus the fact that, I mean, you know, Tennessee isn't so powerful that you just assume they're going to blow the Jags away but it's still one because they're a good, well-coached team that you think they'll get a lead, and that generally would spell Foreman. So if McNichols is active, I'm, gonna, I would, I'm leaning Foreman. If McNichols is not active, everything I saw and read in the previous two weeks before their bye was Hilliard running as the one.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. So
2: McNichols is kind of going to be my guide, I guess, is what yeah. I, I boil down to Jeremy McNichols impacting my starting lineup calls in the main event playoff finals.
1: One of the guys that I don't want to say he was a popular late round pick in in drafting season in August and September, but a guy who, um, you know, uh, some people latched on and a guy who has been startable for more than a, more than several weeks, quite frankly, this season has been the rookie out of Penn State, Pat Fryermouth in uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, knowing that FFPC main event football guys leagues, they're all tight end premium, knowing all that has he reached must-flex status in those leagues right now, given his penchant for scoring touchdowns, given his penchant for – honestly, like, you know, Roethlisberger has eyes for him. And I don't know if that's because he doesn't run routes, you know, nine routes down the field, and it's easier for Roethlisberger to hit him at this point of his career. But certainly he's putting up numbers right now. Is he a must-flex for you, Michael?
2: You know, yeah, earlier you had asked me about the – free agent pickups. And again, I, on on the whole totality. This is, he's probably been my best free agent pickup across leagues. I I actually thought a few weeks ago he had ascended into that kind of must start status. Now the last two weeks, he's kind of dropped down to four targets each week. He had the touchdown, but if you're only getting four targets, you can't be must start for me. Um, now I feel good about Fryer move. Um, Tight ends, uh, you know, there's not a lot of them going around. I, I kind of took a, a weight on tight end approach in a lot of leagues. And if you have Fryer Moot and, and, and you need to put him as your flexor tight end, you can feel good about it. Whether or not he's a must start, that's relative to your options. But I definitely wouldn't put him in that category when, he's, when I've just seen two four-target games.
1: Is there a potential league winner for you right now um, that, that not a lot of people are talking about down the stretch, or is it too early to make that call?
2: Well, I, I one guy who I have on a lot of teams, who's um, in, in and a lot of it's going to have to do when they come out of the uh, the bye week and the status of Damian Harris's hamstring is Ramondre Stevenson. Mm-hmm. He, he's extremely exciting to me uh, in, in terms of of, of of what he could be. Uh, we, we just talked about the Tennessee running backs. If if we can get some kind of clarity on those, and one of them can step up. Um, Carolina, another one of the confusing backfields, because we've seen for the last four or five weeks that Amir Abdullah was running ahead of a, a, a Chuba uh, Chuba Hubbard. So is that is that going to be how it's going to be now? I, I don't know that for sure, uh, but that's a guy that I, I, I've I've picked up a great deal. It's hard to think that Amir Abdullah is going to be a league winner, and you know we, they just fired their offensive coordinator. Right? Who knows what surprises they're going to come out with. But I, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what this guy can do.
1: Um, what about a guy like uh, Elijah Moore? Um, because this is, you know, you, you're a dynasty guy. You understand. Uh-huh. Everybody was falling all over themselves trying to draft to go up into that late first round, mid first round, to grab mm-hmm. Elijah Moore before anybody else could. And then he got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And then it like it, it was, you know, his his performance was slow in coming. Now the last several weeks, man, he's looked great, even if his offense hasn't. And now you look at Elijah Moore, I'm looking at him right now as like a top 20 receiver the rest of the way. And I don't want to say matchup proof, but it's tough for me to bump him down knowing his quarterback has eyes for him, knowing he's taking advantage of his opportunities and he's finding ways to get open in the end zone. What about Elijah Moore as a potential league winner this year?
2: He is a league winner. He's already kind of been a league winner for leagues that have closed. So, I mean, you can go all the way back to when they they came out of their bye, which is sometimes you see teams figure out how to, hey, we, we need, we'll take the buy figure out how to get a guy more involved. So that's week seven on, he's wide receiver 10 on average. Um, the last from weeks nine on, he's he, he's number three. Um, the, the the events that have transpired over this past week have, have solidified him. And two things, you know, one, obviously, Corey Davis being out for the year right. solidifies his role. The other thing which was key was um, he, he'd been hard to trust in terms of a lineup because, you know, the quarterback keeps changing and you just never know how he's going to interact with one quarterback and the one he'd been interacting with the worst was Zach Wilson. So he finally has a breakthrough Zach Wilson game. That was huge. And, and as good as his game was this week, you know, the Jets only had the ball for 70 seconds in the third quarter. They barely had the ball. He also missed some opportunities that actually it was not Zach Wilson's fault this time. Like, you know, Elijah Moore dropped an easy touchdown catch. So that was super encouraging. The targets, which I'm always looking at for receivers, this guy to me is has now elevated into must-start wide receiver one, top 15, 10 category type of guy. Absolutely.
1: Um, let me ask you this, and this is something I, I have gotten. Of all the things I ask high-stakes players on, on these airwaves um, over the last, well, now almost a decade, whatever it is, um, this is one of the more polarizing questions. Football guys, players, championship, FFPC main event. When these rosters lock for the duration of the season and you got to go to battle in the championship round with what you got and you don't have the option to pick anybody else up, what's the proper approach? Do you, do you like to keep an extra kicker? Um, if you have a guy like um, Josh Allen or, you know, Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, do you like to have an extra quarterback? Do you like to play defensive matchups? So, so you're keeping multiple ones of those on your team. How do you handle this because if you only carry one and and there's an injury, you could be in a lot of problems and have no shot at the main uh or the the overall championship, but at the same time, you could make the case that well, if this guy doesn't perform, I'm dead anyway, so I'd rather have options and play matchups at my other positions to have depth there. Michael, how do you like to play this that
2: yeah and, and it's definitely interesting to look at i i if, several years ago, I used to be a little bit more um Risky, if you want to say. I, I'd go with one kicker. We didn't hear a lot about kickers getting hurt. I had a good defense. I, you know, I, I stay with them. I, I don't think I'd ever go with just one quarterback. But we've had, obviously, something massively new happen in the last two years, which is COVID, which now makes going with one kicker or one um, quarterback an absolutely impossible equation for me to consider. I, I just can't do it anymore – Plus, with kickers, we're seeing them actually show up on the injury report the last few years more yeah. than I did at all. So it, it it's a challenge. You know, we just talked about you know the you know trying to you don't want to cut an Antonio Brown, a Calvin Ridley. It's definitely a challenge. Um, it, it you know to, to to set your roster to to, to compete this way. But there is no way, again, that, that I'm, I, I intend to not have two kickers and two quarterbacks and then the, the COVID thing makes it too much. Defense is a little bit different. Obviously, you're not going to have to worry about an injury. The problem is we have so many bad quarterbacks and bad offenses right now. And, and I, it, again, when you're trying to get every little angle that you can, it's a goal of mine for sure to have two defenses that have good matchups and we got a little bit of, you know, uh, like I own Philadelphia and the Miami defense a lot uh, because of some of their matchups. Both of them are on bye, And if you're in the finals of your playoffs, you know, you either got to cut them or get another one. So this year, more than most years, I am going to carry 2D. That one's a little bit more optional. But, I, 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 again, I, I can't stomach the, the one kicker or, or one quarterback
1: right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, like you think about how many teams you're going against, and this, this is me personally, this is, this is how I've always been. It, it, like I cannot afford to take zeros at any position, especially when you're competing for this massive amount of money. Like it's just you're you're doing yourself a disservice, and and I don't think there's any there's any one player I would say okay, well he's the exception to the rule. You know, a quarterback kicker doesn't matter. Now defense, I think you're right because I think if you find a defense that has a good championship round schedule, okay, you can trot them out there every single week. But for me. Um, I still like to play the multiple defenses, um, and, and so I'll carry two defenses, two kickers. Um, tight end premium, I think you almost have to carry three tight ends. Uh, kickers or uh, quarterbacks, you have to carry two. Um, I, I think it makes perfect sense, and I totally agree with what you're saying there. That said, Michael, going into week 14, going into placing waiver wires um, right now, are there any hot pickups on, on the wire right now that you're targeting? Is there anybody that you're going to go after hard here before, you know, you can't make any pickups anymore this season?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, again, I'm going to have to do a lot of work on on getting a second kicker. And I, I love playoff waivers, by the way, when, when you, when you get it down to just you and the other three teams, and maybe you can get in a position where you could just uh, out muscle the rest of the league and you can have whoever you want. Um, and, and sometimes you're on the the opposite end of that, so it, it's a it's a different kind of strategy, and it's kind of fun. Um, in, in a you know, a big challenge right now is going to be finding uh, roster space for mm-hmm. some players. Uh, but there are some intriguing players. I, I've got a lot of Jalen Hurts, so I know I've got to go and look for some quarterback help. Um, you know, this week and 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 would like to have somebody going forward, but. Uh, I don't see much at tight end. Um, if I didn't need a quarterback, I, I really wouldn't be in the market for one. I also have a lot of Daniel Jones. so I got to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on with him in that situation. Um, but there are a few running backs and receivers that, that I have interest in. And in some of these leagues, I know I'm going to buy them because, you know, I have more money than anybody. Um, Penny. This is a guy I've been yo-yoing around all year on rosters, Rashad Penny. In fact, he's not available in a lot of my leagues because I've been cutting him uh, after week 11 and you can't pick him back up. Right, yep. But he's interesting to me. Uh, and the only reason I held on to him in some leagues, it, it sounds terrible almost to say, but he had that one run a few weeks ago, when he, the one he hurt his hamstring, when the dude looked like he was shot out of a cannon. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm like, hey, look, you know, they don't have anybody else and, and, and you're always looking for upside um, there's a few leagues that nobody picked up Amir Abdullah and I couldn't find room for it last week. so Penny and Abdullah are, are two guys. Um, you know and I mentioned earlier that the wide receiver market has been as, as barren as I've seen. It's I feel like this is the first time in a few weeks we've got a few cracks of life. The major one to me if he's he's not out there in a lot of leagues but in some is KJ Osborne. oh yeah so and i and I have you know a uh, feeling on 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 a lot of teams in, including two of these top fifty teams. I hated to see that injury but but Osborne is somebody of interest um and i amon Ross Saint Brown is another one this guy was the king of the you know four catch for forty yard no t d <laughs> just the just the kind of guy you don't want in, in 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 the next round when seven eight point per game filler isn't gonna do it for you. So was the twelve target ten catch TD game was that something that we're going to be seeing a little bit more of or was it a fluke I don't know but I wouldn't mind putting him on a team or two and figuring it out.
1: Um, Osborne said, like we got the report on uh, Tuesday that um Thielen is expected to be back at some point this season, um, but that's certainly you know not- yeah
2: you know I, I read that report and they phrased it as good news it was like good news he's he he uh. He they expect- <laughs> come this this year I thought, whoa, that was in question?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing. That's the thing, right? Because, like, you know, you and I, we look at that report. Oh, good news. He's not going to be out for the year. Okay, well, the bad news for Thielen is he's probably going to miss not just one week, but maybe multiple weeks, you know? Right, and, that, right, and, that, right. and that turns into good news for K.J. Osborne, a guy who was really a waiver wire darling the, the first, what, week one, week two, where he was yes. catching all these passes, and there's a couple leagues I still had him, and and I don't know why I've been keeping him around all these time, you know, all this time when Thielen and, and Jefferson were doing their thing. But now there's an opening, and now there's a chance, and we'll see on Thursday night what he can do against the uh, Pittsburgh secondary because I'm I'm sure that we won't see Thielen out there uh, for that game, uh, no. no question. Uh, Michael, you've been extremely gracious with your time. One more question for you, uh, and this is always a tricky one because I know there's a lot of people that have the philosophy you always start your studs, but I have seen people especially this time of the year with playoff um, you know advancement on the line, league championship on the line, overall championships on the line they will sit a person that they feel is not performing or has a poor matchup or there's weather issues or what have you and it pays off you know to, mm-hmm. to start a lesser player. Um, is there an early round pick or a stud that you think should be benched in week 14? Uh, that people are going to be kicking themselves for starting him. And then conversely, uh, who's a sleeper that you think not a lot of people, and we touched on a few of them in this podcast, but who's a sleeper that you think that um, not a lot of people will start, but probably should uh, have in their lineups in week 14?
2: Yeah, you know, I tell you, um, I've got uh, um, on, on, you know, Clyde Edwards Laird. I don't know if anybody's really calling him a stud, but this guy's kind of the king of the empty touch. You know, he just he just he doesn't get he doesn't get valuable touches. He can get twelve of the fourteen he can run for eighty yards and maybe get you ten fantasy points. I know that I'm looking at a situation that if Debo Samuel is active, I'm I'm going to bench him. If you've got options and can bench Barkley, if you can bench Ezekiel Elliott, and and I've got those guys, and I don't think I have options, so I don't I don't want to say something that I'm not going to do. But if I had better options, I I wouldn't mind not playing those guys that, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm going to uh, give you this last one because it'll kind of tie both of your, your questions together. If Daryl Henderson is active this way, I would start Sony Michelle over him.
1: Mm, now that's interesting. And we got the report earlier, too, um, before week 13, that he was going to be active, but it was going to be Michelle carrying the mail. And Michelle mm-hmm. did awesome. I mean, Michelle was fantastic. Now... You know, granted they the Rams kind of ran away with that game in the second half, but he made a ton of plays uh in that game. And I kind of wonder, just curiously, when when Henderson is up to quote unquote full health, is that more of a timeshare? Is that more of a, a split backfield the way Michelle's playing?
2: I'll take it a step further and say I think it's a timeshare with Henderson as the number two. Ooh, that's that's hot takey. I love it. I love and
1: and think about like it wasn't like Michelle got cut and the Rams just signed him. They gave up draft assets to acquire this guy. four and a now, six for a one year
2: rental. That's actually rich.
1: It, and and I will say this: I don't think the Rams operate on the same um, d- you know draft value chart as the rest of the league because they toss around draft picks like you you and I toss around empty paper cups, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just they mean it means nothing to them. But at, at still at this point, to get Michelle for as little a time as he was going to be under contract with them, to give up those draft picks you got to believe they had something in mind for him. Is the something in mind that Henderson was going to be run hard throughout the season and Michelle would be fresh for the playoffs? Non-zero chance of that happening. And I think we saw what could happen the remainder of the way after uh, what we saw in week 13.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, again, um, they're they're both going to be involved. I I just – especially with Henderson maybe not being healthy. But even if you told me Daryl Henderson is – 100% one hundred percent good to go. I'd, I'd rather start Sony Michelle.
1: I love it, and 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 we are going to end on that uh, because that is the way to end a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Michael, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, even when you're stomping me in a private dynasty league <laughs> this past week. Uh, I still love you. I still like talking to you. This was great. Uh, enjoy the ride, man. Uh, you know, it's it's it's. I know for for a lot of people, you know, and, and yourself included, like you know. You, you know, it's not like you're always in contention for a six-figure grand prize this late in the season every single year. Um, so enjoy it, um, enjoy how special it is, enjoy the ride. Good luck. I know you had a great week thirteen with your FFPC main events, right? All of them, getting uh, getting all the way into the league playoffs, right? I I, I had the best.
2: Yes, and I had I had the best playoff week in FFPC I, I have ever had. I went uh, 14 and two Woo! in all my league playoffs. Ironically enough, you asked me about Javante Williams had, had, had Melvin Gordon been active. There's a chance I could have went 16 and 0 um, oh, oh, oh. In, in, in those. Uh, not not to be greedy about it, but the the big thing is I got all four of my main events in the league championship game, and I am as excited as a person could be for this upcoming week.
1: Refresh my memory, and maybe this wasn't you. I thought it was you. This was probably like a half decade ago, maybe even longer now. W- weren't you the owner of one of the FFPC high-stakes dynasty teams that had the perfect four VPs every single week throughout the regular season? Am I thinking of the right team?
2: I I, I lost it in week 13. Oh, that's
1: what it was. Okay. All right. Because I remember you were just dominating, just flat-out dominating. Um the 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 entire see, Dave Gerzak and I we're talking about like Michael Cobb is just flat out crushing this dynasty league right now. But it's we're going to have to have you back on this show when we talk dynasty coming up in the spring. Um I have so many questions for players for you right now, but I'll let you enjoy this the rest of the way. I know you got some tough lineup decisions and and roster decisions going forward here uh for the remainder of uh, of the duration of the season. Uh thank you so much for doing the show. Good luck in week 14 and the rest of the way, dude.
2: Hey man, I appreciate it. Always, uh, always a privilege to come on here and talk fantasy. Uh, good luck to everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, and thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email. Rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com podcast.